This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. Today, uh, we're kicking off, what time is it? And I'm answering today's question with this answer. It's a time of testing. It's a time of testing. All of these sermon notes are available on our app, Calvary FTW, Calvary FTW on your smart device. Here's our theme scripture for the whole month, Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8, and then verse 11. For everything there is a season, a time. Everyone say a time. There's a time. For every activity under heaven. Listen to all these parallels while yet comparisons. A time to be born and a time to die. There's a time to plant and there's a time to harvest. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and there's also a time to build up. A time to cry, a time to laugh. There's a time to grieve and there's a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones. There's a time to embrace, but then there's also a time to turn away. A time to search and a time to quit searching. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear. And then there's also a time to mend. A time to be quiet. And a time to speak. Verse 8. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war. And a time for peace. And I'm going to pause there. We're going to read verse 11. But before we read verse 11... Uh, some of you in your Bible, if you have like an old-fashioned, this is called a book. It has a front and a back, and there's these things they insert in the middle are called pages. And it's fascinating. If you have an old-fashioned Bible, oftentimes chapters are named. This chapter of Ecclesiastes in my Bible is named, A Time for Everything. And verses 1 through 8 literally just said that. There's times for everything. There's a time to to grieve. And for those that have lost loved ones or or have lost a job or have lost a, a relationship, that's grieving. And there's a time for that. But then on the flip side of that, there's a time to dance. There's time for war. There's time for peace. There's time to, for all things. And the reason we can say that is found in verse 11. Because verse 11 really takes verses 1 through 8 and it helps us understand why all of us are in this tug of war with all of these life experiences and even feelings. Verse 11 reads, Yet God has made everything, everything, all times, All experiences, God has made everything beautiful for its own time. You can even say the word appropriate. God has made all experiences appropriate in its right time and setting. Listen to this. He has planted eternity. Everyone say eternity. In the human heart. But even so... People cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. To my friend Scott, in this section, 
all the way over here to my friend Dave in this section and everyone in between. We all, every single one of us, have this place in our heart that can only be satisfied with the things of eternity. But the frustrating part is God puts blinders on us to not be able to see the whole scope of what he's up to. How many of you have ever been guilty of just, you would give anything to know about tomorrow? You, you know you would. We would all love to know. Some of us are wondering if the Cowboys are going to win, much less things about tomorrow. We all are guilty of wanting to know about things that are coming down the line. And God says, you know what? I've given you something in your heart that can only be satisfied by the eternity and eternal things. But I'm also going to, everybody here it is. Everybody listen. I'm also going to have you live by faith, trusting day to day. So, my subtopic is a time of testing. If you want to know what times we're living in. We're living in testing times. And I want to pray one more time before we dive into this. Father, what a vast topic this month will be. Might, might even be the, I don't know, Lord, maybe even, maybe the most controversial just because of the issues that you're asking me to touch on. And Father, I pray for two people in the room today. I pray for me. And I pray, Father, that you'll equip me, strengthen me, and anoint me to speak. And I pray for all of these that are hearing and let them know my heart that loves them and let them know my spirit that cares about them and let them hear the voice of a shepherd, not a bully, not a know-it-all, just someone that is led by your spirit and that has said yes to a calling to speak on your behalf. And I pray this blessing over this message and also the entire month long as we just kind of scratch the surface of a difficult topic of the days we're living in. I ask you in closing, Lord, to yes, increase our cerebral potential of learning and knowledge and wisdom and understanding. Yes, stretch us there with our intellect. But God, more than that, I'm asking you to stretch us with our sensitivity. I hope that maybe we can learn something, but Father, what good is it to learn and become aware of something with knowledge that we don't have action behind it and do something with it? So I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. And if you receive that over your life, say amen. I believe, all right, I love that. That's the best amen in the building, baby. I need about a thousand of you. All right, guys, I believe that the world we're living in, the days we're living in, I believe they're becoming darker and darker. I believe that hatred, hatred, uh, division, uh, I believe that uh, the, the wedge of division in man is being driven deeper than it's ever been driven. Uh, I believe that sin, everyone say sin, because that, that's the word. That's really what we're talking about. We can try to make it cute and we can try to make it palatable to every, every background. But the, at the end of the day, it's sin. Sin is really, 
running wild in, in our world. It's not just in Texas. It's not in America only. It's global. There's, sin is running wild. And, and while I say that it's becoming darker and darker, what I mean by that is this light, this light of truth, the word of God, the light of truth, it has always shined and it will always continue to shine, but sin is wanting to attack it and, and cover it and extinguish it. But how many of you know that as much weight as sin carries, grace so much more abounds? Can I get in there? I wish I had a, a little bit stronger response than that. Uh, where sin doth abound, grace so much more abounds. In other words, you can try to, you can try to put this light of truth out. It's never going away. Amen. It's good preaching. Yeah, thanks. All right. Old Testament gentleman by the name of Daniel. There's a book after him if you'd like to find it in your Old Testament. There's a portion of books in the scripture that are known as major prophets. It's not because they were greater than what is also in the Bible, minor prophets. It's just simply because there's longer books. The Bible starts out with the first five, the Pentateuch, and it moves into, uh, it moves into different writings. It enters into some poetries and prose, and then it ends up into some books of wisdom. And then we find ourselves into the major prophets. Daniel is one of the major prophetic books of the Bible. It's 12 chapters in Daniel, and, and it's pretty much cut in half. There's the first half of the book of Daniel, which is, is very historical. And then there's the second half, book of Daniel, which is very prophetic. And, and it, and it kind of points to something that's coming down in the future. So we have historical viewpoint, then we have visionary viewpoint in the book of Daniel. And what's interesting is the book of Daniel aligns, it really fits, it partners with what John, the revelator, you might be familiar with the book of Revelation, Daniel's visions and John's visions go hand in hand, and we're not talking that they were running in the same crowd, running on the same street. We're talking years and years and years and years apart from one another, but yet the same vision that, that, that is agreeable. The reason I'm going to spend some time in Daniel today, this first Sunday of this series, is because Daniel is the most legit example of a, of a, of a child of God trying to survive in a culture that's crazy. And whether you like it or not, as much as we love our work, we love our days we're living in. I mean, I love it. I love the technology. I love the media. I, 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 I love the days we're living in. I love it. But yet, I also know that we're living in challenging days. And Daniel is a good example of that. So the book of Daniel, we go for a few minutes. Chapter number one, I read from the message and this is, is going to be as good of preaching you'll ever hear. And it's not because of the preacher. It's not the preacher. But this, ladies and gentlemen, is the kind of preaching that will keep you right with God. And that's my mission today. The king told Ashpenaz, head of the palace staff, to get some Israelites from the royal family and nobility. Young men 
who were healthy, young men who were handsome, intelligent, well-educated, good prospects for leadership positions in the government. And he wanted to indoctrinate them in the Babylonian language and the lore of magic and fortune-telling. The king then ordered that they be served from the same menu as the royal table, the best food, the best wine. And after three years of this training, they would be given positions in the king's court. So four young men were chosen from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The head of the palace staff gave them Babylonian names. Daniel was renamed to Belteshazzar. Hananiah was renamed to Shadrach. Mishael was renamed to Meshach. And Azariah was renamed to Abednego. Now let me set this up for you, everybody. God had warned Israel, if you maintain your lifestyle of disobedience, my hand of protection is not going to be able to keep you. This is before the cross. Can we go a little Bible school for you? This is before Jesus. This is before grace. This is before the cross. This is Old Testament dispensation of the law, not the dispensation of grace. God said, I, I'm, I'm doing my best to keep you, but you're in disobedience unto me, and I can only go so far. I can only protect you so far in your disobedience. One day if you keep this up, you're going to be overtaken, and it happened. Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar overthrew Israel, and now the Babylonian Empire has in captivity Israel, the people of God. And Nebuchadnezzar knew, I've got them, they're my captives, but I don't want to keep them in prison. I don't want to keep them in, 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 um, in submission. I want to blend our cultures. I'm not looking to keep them in, in jail cells, so to speak, I want to forge a new community where they look like us, talk like us, act like us. I don't like the division just because we've now conquered. I want to merge, blend. I want them to take on our culture. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to find... In the next generation, not the older people, but the next generation, I'm going to find the sharpest guys they've got. I'm talking, I want the best looking fellas, the, 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 the most educated fellas. I'm wanting the, the most intelligent fellas, I'm the most articulate fellas. And I'm wanting them because if I could get them, they will go and be my leaders and they will indoctrinate others. My job as King Nebuchadnezzar is I want to indoctrinate these guys and change the face of Israel forever. So he asked his, his leadership, pull Daniel. Bring Daniel in. Without question, Daniel's the sharpest of the bunch. And the first thing they do, everybody listen to me. When there's a culture that is being changed, their identity must be changed. 
And their identity is always linked to their name. I tell my girls in the, in the car going to school, not every morning, but pretty much three or four days a week, I'll say, remember, you're Brandon. Represent. Make me proud. You're Brandon. I don't say you're a female. I don't say that you're pretty. I don't say that you're intelligent. You're Brandon because all that, it just sums it all up. And somebody by the name of Lopez said, I beg to differ. Check it out. Nebuchadnezzar changed Daniel's name. Because he knew that he needed to strip him of all of his identity and change him. If he could change Daniel's identity and name forever, Daniel then would play a role of influencing others and change their identity as well. Guys, sit back and get a load of this. By the way, we're going till 4 o'clock today. <laughs> Daniel, his name, Daniel. Daniel meant in Hebrew, God is my judge. In other words, Daniel, man, every day Daniel woke up, everything I do is because God's my judge. Every way I act is because God's my judge. The things I say, it's because God's my judge. God is my king of kings. He is my Jehovah, and I honor him. He is my judge. And Nebuchadnezzar knew, I'm going to have to start with this guy. He he is so in love with Jehovah God, and he's got all of his identity wrapped up in Jehovah God. I'm going to start with him. You are no longer named Daniel. Your new Babylonian name is Belteshazzar. And the Babylonian name, Belteshazzar, the description of that name, you got to catch this, everybody. Huge revelation of where we are today. Is Lady... Protect the king. Now you might ask, well, I don't, I, don't, I don't get it. Well, listen, I'm a fella, and all of us guys in the room, we have said this before to another fella when we were trying to be a punk, when we were either trying to have fun and, and take a jab at a friend, or when we were being serious and about to be in a fist fight. We've all said it, and nowadays, uh, you know, it's politically incorrect to say this, and I understand why, because it's offensive to the female gender. I get it. But a lot of us guys have said, man, quit being a girl. You're acting like a girl. And, and, and I get it. I understand why the female gender is offended by that, because it almost sounds like we're saying that being a girl is of lesser quality, of lesser strength. But let's just talk gender for a moment. Let's take our feelings off our shoulders for a moment. And this is either going to be my greatest sermon or my last for some of you. <laughs> but let's take our feelings off our shoulders just for a second. Typical male to male response would be, what? Don't you call me a girl? Because they see there's a sense that... There's a, proud, there's a proud understanding that God made me a male. Just as a female would say, God made me a female and I'm proud. There's a sense of pride in a male when, when he recognizes that God created me a male. And Nebuchadnezzar knew, Daniel, you strut around here in Israel 
as God is your judge and you're strutting your peacock feathers and you have so much swag, you've got this great amount of moxie because you just think that God is everything. I'm fixing to teach you a lesson. You've got a new name. We're changing your license plate. We're changing your driver's license. We're changing the name on your jersey. You're no longer Daniel. You're now Belteshazzar, and everybody's going to know that I'm basically calling you out as a weaker one. You are weak, and you're supposed to protect the new king in your life, not God, me, Nebuchadnezzar. Are you following this so far? And here is where it gets real. Because if you want to know what time it is, you want to know what days we're living in, the days we're living is, is that culture wants to attack with gender confusion. And it happens in marriages all the time. Can I preach to our families today? This is where our marriages get rocky. Husbands and wives, listen to me. Be here right now in the moment and listen. God created the man. He formed woman out of the man. Notice my arm. When he formed the woman from the rib of the man, took it from his side, it's a natural posture of love, protection, shelter, provision, honor. And this is where we've messed up, men. There's a lot of men and I've had my moments where I've done the same mistake, is where we get on an ego trip and we start thinking that it's our way or no way. We start thinking that we've got to rule with an iron fist. We start thinking that it's, it's my house. I'm the man of this house. And we start taking this posture that God intended to be loving, sheltering, provisional, caring, protecting, and we get it so messed up and we, and, we, and we shift into thinking that it's our way. Guess what, everybody? We men in the house, listen to me, we're not God. We're God's men. We're not God. So what happens when a man starts with that abusive mess, verbally, physically, when a man starts mishandling his role, his gender, Calling, enough women will have, a, or women will have enough of it. And then you next thing you know is you have a class or sect, a group of women through history that have said, forget this. I'm going to cut him. I'm going to stab him. I'm going to shoot him. <laughs> and so you get this whole big group of strong women that rises up. And now they're out of their role. Because they're casting vision in the family. They're protecting the family. They're supplying the need in the family. They're the ones leading the family. So when a strong woman rise up, guess what happens over here? Then you've got men that shrink down, that weaken down. And I know I'm on touchy subject, but you listen to me. God designed the man to know the man's role. And it's not abusive and it's not weak. He designed the woman's role, not to be a pushover and to be abused, but also to be a helpmate. 
and where culture has jacked this thing up is because of gender confusion. You got one guy over here beating his wife, and you got another woman over here slapping her husband. And there's not room for any of it. And God, uh, uh, rather, Nebuchadnezzar, rather, he looked at Daniel and said, I'm fixing to teach this. I'm fixing to get a hold of this thing called Israel because they raise up some strong men that, that are honorable to God, that treat people fairly, that live with character, that have dignity. They're honest. They're godly men. And I'm fixing to mess with this culture. And I'm fixing to strip Israel of godly men. And I'm fixing to emasculate them. And I'm fixing to take them down. And I'm fixing to make them feel weak. And he changed Daniel's name to Belteshazzar. And he's just starting. He then says, bring me Hananiah. Hananiah's name is Yahweh has been so gracious. In other words, Hananiah is the one that walks around, man, just giving praise to God. Oh, man, I'm telling you that, 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 that God is good. And, you know, all the Israelites be like, all the time. Hananiah, man, he just walked in it. Oh, you're going to have a better day. God's been good to you, hasn't he? Oh, oh, yeah, he has, Hananiah. Thank you for coming by. Anytime, anytime. That's my calling. God is good. And Nebuchadnezzar said, I've, 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 I've dealt with Daniel. And now this little fellow walking around encouraging everybody with the goodness of the Lord. I'm fixing to mess with that culture too. And he took, he, he, he took Hananiah and he changed his name to Shadrach. I am fearful of God. So we go from God is so good. Man, isn't God good to God is so bad and God is mean and God is against us. Look, we wouldn't be in this situation if God was for us. For years and years, Moses and everybody else told us that God was for us. And now, look, God's not for us. He's against us. He's mean. He's hateful. He causes natural disasters. God causes terrorist attacks. God causes this and God causes that. And culture wants to come into your home and into your family and not only mess with the gender in your family unit, but he also wants to mess with your attitude of gratitude of the goodness of God. And he wants you to start having conversations at the dinner table where your children will hear it. Well, I just wish that God would have done something differently. I just wish that God wouldn't have caused that to happen. Only if God would have stepped in and a 12-year-old boy is saying, man, my dad's so weak and my mom is so mean and now God is so bad and the next thing you know you've got a generation on the rocks one generation from extinction you want to know what time it is don't worry about the coming of the Lord the coming of the Lord none of us even know when that's going to happen we'll talk about that but get your mind off when the coming of the Lord is you need to be aware of what we do know and that is we're living in a testing time where your faith is being tested and it's happening because your identity as a Christian is under attack. And then he says, bring me Mishael. And Mishael, man, this dude, he's one of them that just kind of, he's kind of cocky about it. And his, his name in Hebrew is, who is what God is? In other words, who's like my Lord? There's nobody like my God. Who can compare to my God? Nobody can compare to my God. 
Nebuchadnezzar stripped him down to Meshach. I am despised, contemptible, and humiliated. Notice the focus went from courage and confidence in God to being a coward. Being a coward. And then there's Azariah. Azariah was one that always looked back. He was almost that, that, that old choir song back in the 90s when I look back over my life and I think things over. I have a testimony. Azariah would say, Yahweh has helped, past tense. Yahweh's helped us, so why won't he help us again? God has set me free. Why won't he set me free again? God's done so much for me. Why won't he do it again? And Nebuchadnezzar said, enough of that, Daniel. Enough of that, Hananiah. Enough of that, Mishael and Azariah. And I'm going to name you servant of Nebo. You once were free, but you're now back in bondage. Everybody listen to me. If you want something to write down, here it is. When culture changes, you better know who you are in Jesus Christ. Because you're going to have people, you're going to have media, you're going to have all type of publication, all type of communique from the public that gets you to question your identity in the Lord. And then the last thing I want to tell you in this little portion of this message is not only do they want to rename you, but it wants, the culture wants to tame your convictions, wants to keep you settled, wants to keep you, put you into compromise, wants to tame you. Turn to your neighbor real quick and say, culture wants you to calm down. <laughs> Pastor Dustin, Pastor Dustin leads our men's prayer uh, breakfast on Thursday mornings. So we get this big table. Every Thursday morning, there's this big table of fellas. And they range from young men to retired men. And, and, and it's 45 minutes of just quick breakfast and prayer. And, and every now and then, have you ever asked somebody to pray in public that you just kind of wish you didn't ask? <laughs> well, man, Thursday Pastor Dustin leads up prayer breakfast, and I slid in, and I was at the head of the table, and I was eating, about to get my breakfast. They put it down, and Pastor Dustin said, well, it's time to pray. And I'm thinking, man, I hope he asked somebody that just kind of says, thank you, Lord, let's eat. He's going to ask my friend Billy Hughes to pray. Man, Billy, Billy will cast out grease from bacon. He'll call down heaven. And I'm like. He asked, he said, Billy, would you pray? And I'm like, oh, man, not Billy. There's people around. People know us, man. People, Billy's about just, he's just slinging bacon. Jesus catches grease out of that bacon. I'm thinking, man, man, what's Billy going to do today? Billy's going to bring the waitress over and just, man, what's going to happen today? I'm as nervous. Why are we like that? Why are we tamed down? Everybody say Culture. It wants you to calm down. Let me tell you, it's taking its toll. I'm the pastor of the church, and I'm worried who he's having pray. He, reason he doesn't pray anymore, Pastor Dustin prayed one Thursday morning for the food. He prayed for everybody and everything and never prayed for the food. <laughs> Brother said amen, and everybody just sat there, and he said amen. Everybody just sat there, and he said, what's wrong? They said you never prayed for the food. <laughs> hey, guys, culture has a way 
of wanting you to change your identity and culture has a way of wanting you just to stay, stay calm in your faith and don't be bold and courageous. We're living in testing times. Now let me turn the corner and let me talk about the ultimate test and that's worship. Two examples in the book of Daniel concerning the attack on worship. Two different kings. Chapter number three, King Nebuchadnezzar. Chapter number six, Nebuchadnezzar is passed and now King Darius is in office. Chapter number three, King Nebuchadnezzar is a portion of scripture where he forces someone to worship a golden statue or idolatry, something other than God. Chapter 6 is Darius, King Darius. He forces who you will not worship, and that is God. So in other words, chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar says, this is who you will worship. Chapter 6, Darius says, this is who you will not worship. And whether you even recognize it or not, every post on Twitter, Every billboard, every television commercial, every newspaper and every magazine cover when you're at the grocery store checkout. Everywhere you look, you're inundated and you are overwhelmed and you are swamped with the message of who you will worship and who you won't worship. I, I, I don't really follow that. Some of you know more about Justin Bieber than you know about Jesus. You've chosen who you're going to worship. Some of you know more about cowboy stats than you know about the epistles. You've chosen who you're going to worship. Somebody right here said, did they start yet? Let me look on my phone real quick. See what Man, you better repent in Jesus' name. And if I see you pick that phone up, I'm going to send somebody. Dustin, get ready. Don't you be checking a score. Because I got it recorded. You tell me tonight, not now. Right now, we're dealing with most important. No matter if you even are aware of it, culture's made its way into your home. And I'm about to shift here to my clothes today. And I want you to be very sensitive as I will be too. I'm going to ask our musicians to come quickly. There's some, there's some more material of this sermon if you'd like to see it for yourself. It's there in your app. But I, 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 feel, I feel like I want to spend more time right here on this closing portion than I got to in the first service. I'm, I ran out of time in the first service with this most important portion. I'm going to talk about three words here. Three words I'm going to talk to you about. And then we're going to have our prayer partners come. And I'm letting you know right now, okay? Can I have everybody look at me real quick? Right here. I'm letting you know right now. I'm asking you to respond to the word of God in our closing today. I know you've got things to do and places to go. 
But these next three words I'm about to introduce you to, I pray in the name of the Lord that they arrest you. That they arrest you. The Bible tells us to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Our heart and soul is tied to the word affection. Everyone say affection. You will know if culture has made its way into your home. And again, guys, this is not into the sinner's home. This is for everybody. If you're a believer here today, this is I'm talking to you. And if you've never given your heart to Jesus, I'm talking to you. I'm talking about the series of what times we're living in. Affection. Affection is love. And here's the question with this first word of affection. What do you love the most? Do you love your spouse? Do you love your kids? You love money? You love sports? You love your city? You love your family? You love your church? Because believe it or not, if you love anything more than you love God, culture is winning in your house. But it's my family. I understand. I love my family too. But God's got to be first. But it's my marriage. I get it. I'll go to my grave for that beautiful wife of mine. But God's got to be first. Affection. If you cannot sit here today honest before God say that you love the Lord first then culture culture's kind of coming to the back door it's okay with you loving God as long as it's down the list it's okay with you being in church hey everybody news flash church is full of sinners your pastor's a sinner Culture's okay with you coming to church. Culture just doesn't want you to love God first. Because if you love God first, culture can't have you. Now, we're all sinners that walked in here today. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, we could all be sinners. Saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. And that's what happens when you love God first. Second word, love the Lord all your, with all your heart, soul. But then it says the mind. Everybody say attention. What do you think about the most? You think about work? Most of you do. Most, I know I do. I think about work a lot. 
Do you think about vacation? Do you think about debt? Do you think about savings? <laughs> These are all thoughts that we have. Do you think about vacation time? Do you think about, what do you think about? My question is, is there anything on that list that you're thinking more about than your relationship with God? If so, culture's winning. And Nebuchadnezzar saying, I'm going to indoctrinate these, these people at Calvary Church. Nebuchadnezzar's saying, I'm, I'm going to look for their next generation. I'm going to look for those sharp boys and sharp ladies in, in AO. And, and if, I don't mind if they think about God as long as they don't think about God more than everything else. I don't mind if they love God as long as they don't love God more than anything else. The Smiths, the Jones, the Brandons, and whatever other families that there are. I don't mind them loving God and thinking about God, but I just wanted to think about other things more. And then there's the last word, and that is strength. Abilities. Abilities is what you do. What do you do more than anything else? And what the Holy Spirit is asking you on this first Sunday of this real big series is will you give God your affection? Will you give God your attention? Will you give God your abilities? I'm fixing to pray over you and I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm fixing to lay out the next few minutes for you real simple basically a one, two, three. Are you ready? Here we go. Prayer partners, come quickly. Here it is, everybody. Real simple steps that we're taking today. Number one, if, if you're here today, I'm going to ask husbands, I'm going to ask husbands to respond with leadership. I'm going to ask dads to respond with leadership. Come on now. Mom shouldn't be leading the way. Wife shouldn't be leading the way. This is a church that we're building on strong men. And we need some men to respond right now. If you know that culture's made its way into some area of your life and it's time that you commit as a father, that you commit as a husband, you're just going to say, you know what? We love God. We serve God. But we've recognized that sports has gotten the best of us. Money's gotten the best of us. This... This, this life we're living in, it's got the best of us. And it's time that we reprioritize because we're living in the times of testing. And my, my faith has been tested. And I want to recommit. I want to show my family where we are. I want to show my family who we are. Our identity is in Jesus Christ, not the things of this world. So step number one is I'm calling on you today to respond to this altar call. And you may say, well, I don't really necessarily have a need to share with a prayer partner. I'm going to ask you to find a place to pray. Find, find your kids. This is one of those services that I'm asking you to go against the flow of culture. Go find your 12-year-old. Go find your 15-year-old and just look them in the face and tell them, this is, what, this is who we are. This is what we're going to do. This is, this is what we are. Number two, you ready for this? Number two, there's several of you here today that you've yet to be water baptized. Next Sunday, next Sunday is Baptism Sunday. And I'm asking you today to go online and register for water baptism. 
There's a few of you that you might want to be baptized right now, and I'll baptize you right this very moment. That's fine. But some of you want to invite your friends and family and guests, and I think that's really cool. So that's why next Sunday is going to be Baptism Sunday. You don't need to wait another minute. And if you don't want to fool with going online, come down here, find me, and tell me, and I'll do my dead level best to register right, right where we're standing. And then there's number three. There's some of you that have been on the fence of knowing where your affection is when it comes to your community of worship. In other words, where you're going to be a part of a church. Today is a growth track. And today is the day that you say, Pastor Tommy, I've been here two or three times and I know this is where I need to be and I'm going to get off the fence. I need to put some roots down. I need to be a part of a family. And I want you to go to growth track today. Pastor Dustin will be leading you there. It's right out this door to the right. We're living in times of testing. Let's pass the test. Let's pass the test. Bow your heads. Right now, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I speak to all these families. In this 11 o'clock service, God, this preacher's going after the heart of every man, woman, every teenager, every student. This pastor's just reaching out out of love and concern. And I'm praying right now, God, that families will respond to the call to recommitting, to dedicating, to consecration, saying no matter what, culture's not going to get the best of us. We're going to pass this test. We're not going to try to blend our cultures. We're not going to be in church one week, out church the next. We're not going to love God just on Sunday and love the things of the world Monday through Saturday. We're not going to be wishy-washy in our convictions. Sin is sin and it's not welcomed in our home. We're going to be dedicated to our roles. We're going to play our gender roles. We're going to lead like men and we're going to we're, we're going to help like ladies, and that's in no disrespect to either role. We're just going to do things God, God's way.